Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Tech Buzzword of the Week from Whatis.com, the online IT encyclopedia and learning center. I'm Alex Howard, assistant editor at Whatis.com. The subject of today's podcast is Software as a Service, commonly referred to by its acronym SAAS or SAS. For this subject, I called on two industry experts to help me explore SAS and its effect in the IT world. Today's interview is with Paul Gillen, a veteran technology journalist with more than 23 years of editorial leadership, including positions as chief editor of Tech Target and Computer World. He is now a content marketing consultant specializing in technology and new media. He advises business-to-business marketers on how to optimize online channels to reach buyers most cost-effectively. His forthcoming book about social media, The New Influencers, will be published by Quill Driver Books in spring of 2007. Today, Paul was kind enough to sit down for this interview, exploring what SaaS is all about. Hello, Paul, and thank you for talking with whatis.com this morning. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Alex. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, I, I hear you just returned from uh, SaaScon earlier this week. That's right. And uh, you mentioned it, and you blogged about it at paulgillen.com, which I highly recommend to any of our listeners as a great source of new media. You mentioned on there something I thought was, was pretty interesting, that uh, a recent survey by Mary Fran Johnson over at searchcio.com uh, found that most CIOs still don't know what software as a service is. So I thought I'd, I'd just quickly throw out our definition for it, which is uh, a software distribution model in which applications are hosted by a vendor or a service provider and made available to customers over a network, which is typically the Internet. Is that about right? And uh, what else should a CIO or business owner know about it to be able to discuss it with their IT uh, executives and other people in the company? Well, the delivery of uh, software over a network is nothing new, of course. Mm -hmm. And if you go back to uh, the early days of, t of the computer industry, something called time sharing was actually the first way that most people use computers. And there have been services such as uh, ADP's payroll processing service that have been delivered online for many, many years. Mm -hmm. uh, what is different about, about the concept that is being known as SaaS, and by the way, the software as a service is, is really an industry buzzword at this mm -hmm. point. There's more, much better known in the vendor community than, uh, than I, I believe in the user world, is that the, the back-end architecture is considerably different from what's been used in the past. And the, the core of this is something called multi-tenancy, which is a new way of building computer systems and networks that allow multiple users to share the same computer utility and use it as if it was their own computer. Uh, so it provides a level of security and reliability and data privacy that really was lacking in earlier uh, implementations of SaaS. Uh, another thing is just that the, the interfaces, the ability for people to productively use these applications is much improved now over what we've seen in past years. And uh, there are a lot of factors that go into that. It's a matter of the, the web utility being much more robust now than it was just a few years ago with things like Ajax programming and more interactive uh, applications. Improved bandwidth is, is enabling these applications delivered over a network to become much more uh, to be much more robust and uh, and usable. Do you think that there's crucial differences there between ASP or on-demand uh, computing software delivery models in there though? That's one of the things that I've had to parse out for people asking me about it or writing into us say, well, how do I differentiate between an ASP because they're giving me an application online versus a SaaS provider? 
Well, ASP and SAS are really one and the same thing. I think ASP okay. was a term that was that was more commonly used about six or seven years ago when there was a, a, a flurry of investment and activity in that area. What uh, is being called SAS, and there's a, actually a complementary term called uh, called managed services, that is uh, is a complement to SAS. What is different about that? concept is that the it's this multi-tenancy idea there's just a much more robust infrastructure underlying the services than I think we had in the ASP days when it was more a matter of people putting up big computers in the sky and then delivering services over the internet the reliability the privacy the security were not it was just not as good in those days as they are now. And what, what most SaaS providers will tell you is, it's it's night and day now compared to what to the ASP technology that was in use around you know, around 1999-2000. Is there any risk to putting your applications online like this versus getting packaged software in terms of disaster recovery or people concerned about connectivity or anything else? When you move all that online, is it any kind of risk to your organization? Well, there's always a risk when you lose control, when you mm -hmm. give somebody else responsibility for managing something that's, uh, that's strategic or mission critical to you. That said, most organizations, most businesses, are much less adept at managing computers than a professional services firm. Mm -hmm. So, yes, there have been some well-publicized incidents. Uh, Salesforce had a, sure. a big outage early this year, and people who use the TypePad blogging software will remember last year there were some notable outages there. It, it does happen, but it happens very, very rarely. And, and I, would, I would submit it's much less likely to happen to a uh, professional services provider than to a, an internal IT organization. Some people also have issues, the, the risks being with internal with integration with, with on-premise internal applications. And I think that's a much bigger issue for corporate IT managers because they don't see, they don't believe really that the SaaS vendors are going to deliver the utilities and the services necessary to integrate with their uh, with their legacy systems. Uh, that's, that's a great point. You touched on that in your blog in terms of uh, one of the crucial things being about integration. And uh, also describing, uh, frankly, a lot of disagreement between vendors and CIOs about where the state of the market is and where it's going and how fast things like implementation and return on investment are actually happening. Do you think that the claims of, of the vendor's part of ROI within a year or uh, fairly rapid deployment or overblown? Or, I mean, obviously they're getting much better, but what should a CIO be thinking about in terms of stepping in now versus waiting for other people to work the kinks out? The most interesting sessions that we had at SASCON were on uh, day two, the morning of day two. We had a session of CEOs from SAS companies, immediately followed by a session with CIOs. And, you know, these people were speaking different languages. The CEOs uh, of these vendors, and this is not, this is not unusual in, in the computer industry, of course. The sure. CEOs were saying, this is the future. You've got to, you know, you've got to get on board and, and go this way. And, uh, uh, you know, this, this, there, there's no reason to wait anymore. And the CIOs were much less uh, enthusiastic about the concept. And I'm going to take, take a ROI, for example. Well, there's two components of ROI. There's return and there's investment. The CIOs, uh, one of them made the point that uh, he's done calculations that, that figured that using a SaaS provider over a three-year period actually would cost him more than uh, deploying an on-premise application. So there are real uh, concerns out about there 
over the lifetime of an application, it may actually be cheaper to host it on-premise. There's also the argument of, of you can get immediate return. You can start using the application immediately, and certainly that's one reason many people go with Salesforce or NetSuite or some of these CRM applications in particular. They, they don't have to wait a year to start getting a return on the, the work they're doing up front. Nevertheless, there was a CIO, uh, there's quite a vigorous discussion among the CIOs about that, in which they said the idea of a one-month deployment cycle is, uh, is fantasy. It takes a year to get this stuff really installed, deployed, rolled out, people trained, integration with existing systems, my, uh, data migrated over, uh, integration with our supply chain. You know, this is not a one-month process. This is, really, this is complex software. Sure. You don't just click it on and go. Yeah. Well, that, you can if you're if you're a small business and you want to do Salesforce automation. You got five salespeople. Knock yourself out. You you can be a, you can use one of these. You can be on these services in a day, but if you've got a field force of five thousand salespeople, you know you're you're not going to be up and running in a month. You, there's a lot of training and and rollout and integration work that has to go on. Makes sense. You mentioned actually there's a there seemed to be a trend. I'll use one of the quotes that you actually put on your blog from Ann Winblad saying that SaaS is a change from automating what you're doing to giving people access to the data they need to work. That was a great summation, and I was wondering, if is that just smart marketing and really good positioning, or does SaaS really represent fundamental change in terms of data transparency? It seems like customers are still pretty beholden to vendors, as the outages in Salesforce.com point out. Do the users really benefit from this focused on them, or are the vendors still dictating what services are applied where and what data is, is out there? Well, I'll make two points about that. One, one is that uh, users are embracing this faster than IT organizations, hmm. and okay. that's because they see the immediate business value. They also are frustrated with multi-year deployment cycles for new applications, by which time often, uh, the, by the time the application is working, the requirements have changed or people have left the company and it doesn't get used. So users are driving this trend right now, and IT organizations are the ones who are dragging their feet on it. So now that's the, it's the bottom up then, not not the top down from the CEOs and the CIOs, but actually the, the actual guys in the IT department who are saying, hey, we're spending three-quarters of our budget maintaining the existing stuff and we're having staff turnover, let's switch to this stuff? It's, it's, this is absolutely bottom-up. This is coming okay. from the, uh, the user community, and that is usually bad news most, for IT. Uh, most of the, the major innovations that have changed the workforce in the last 25 years, really going back to the PC, and I include in that uh, the local area network, the World Wide Web, email, wireless networks, open source, you know, the list goes on and on, mm -hmm. have been driven by users going ahead and doing something without getting the IT organization's permission. And then IT has to come in and clean up the mess. And I think that's what's going to happen here as well. It's already happening. However, there is a reason for this. And there's, uh, there's a secondary reason that I think SAS is going to resonate with IT organizations ultimately. And that is that the relationship between commercial software vendors and their customers sucks. And it's been, it's been terrible for years. You know, mm -hmm. vendors come in, they sell you this, this huge hairball of software, and then, as Scott McNeely calls it, and then, and then once the sale is done, they walk away and you don't see them for a year. I was talking to a, a SaaS vendor who, was, who used to work at, can't reveal the names he said here because I, oh, sure. I don't have confirmation of this, but he used to work at a major package software company, and they sold, he, he told about selling a $22 million application to a major New York financial company that the company never deployed. It, they, never, they just flushed the $22 million they paid for the software because wow. it was so big, it was so complex, 
uh, and the vendor walked away and didn't offer the company any any help in, in getting the thing up and running. And why should they? They had no incentive. They, they weren't going to get any more money out of this customer, so they just walked away. And I think this is very typical of how software companies and their customers have dealt with each other for the last 20 years. So the SaaS companies come in and they say, hey, we have an incentive to make you happy because you can leave whenever you want. Your cost of switching is much lower. So we have to work every day to make you happy. And, uh, and you'll reward us with, with an ongoing revenue stream. And, and so it's an ongoing relationship then. It's, yeah. a, it's a pretty good argument. It's not that simple, of course, but, it, right. but it's a pretty good argument. And you can see that customers can really hold the SaaS vendors' feet to the fire because the vendors have to deliver day after day in order to mm-hmm. get their money. So does that mean packaged software really is dead? Is Microsoft and Adobe and, and everyone else who sells something that ends up in a nice little shrink wrap package on CompUSA or, or Micro Centers or uh, Amazon's shelves, so to speak, going to have to shift to actually selling it online? Well, software never dies. Okay, there's software. So there's software from the '60s still being used out there, and there's there's mm-hmm. commercial software packages from the '60s still being used out there. That said, software packaged software will be around forever, I'm sure. But I think the growth in the industry is moving to SaaS. And I, I was talking to Ann Winblad about that. She's a venture capitalist. And, sure. and uh, you know, I said, what's, what's the mix of companies that are, are coming to you looking for investments now? And she said, about half of the software companies that we look at now are delivering in a hosted model. But she said 100% of the application companies are delivering in a hosted model. So that market, I think, has already turned. The next stage will be whether the managed services, such things as security, storage, backup, systems management, asset management, that is an emerging category of SaaS application that I think is it's much less certain how big that's going to be. What do you think a CIO who's faced with a legacy application issue. He's got huge amounts of of customers and data all over the place. Should really think about first when he talks to a SaaS provider. Right. Well, there's some basic questions that you have to ask a SaaS provider, and a lot of them have to do with the infrastructure. What, what, how can you demonstrate to me that you are going to have reliability and, uh, and and scalability and that you're going to be there to deliver high performance application 24 by 7 with five nines reliability. The same thing you'd ask uh, your own IT department really. Also there are business model questions. What does your balance sheet and your income statement look like? Uh, how can I be sure that you're going to be around for, for a long time uh, to service me? And the integration side, I think that that right now integration is, is pretty messy where the, the vendors are all doing it themselves. And each vendor has its own integration plan. Salesforce has its own strategy and Oracle has its own strategy. And I think that is more likely to become a, an industry in itself where we will see integration vendors emerge that essentially come in and do what Accenture or EDS or, or IBM or HP have been doing for years, which is doing on-site integration. Because I don't think IT organizations want to be bothered with that stuff. They'll, they'll want to outsource a lot of that stuff. Well, assuming they can find the guys who can program in COBOL, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, there, there is that. I, I don't think any of these, fortunately, I don't think any of these SaaS systems are written in COBOL, but the, the, no, the, no, the software they're integrating with may be written in COBOL. And this exactly. This is something where, yeah. where web services uh, does hold some promise to make that, that integration easier. But I think that asking the vendor, the prospective vendor, what uh, e- ecosystem they have in place to make sure that Though that integration can happen is uh, is very important. I think reference customers are key. You want to talk to the people who have actually been through the mill 
uh, with these these companies. Well, I think, and that's that brings me to another thing too. You know, I, we talk about SaaS, and, and I think in terms of where, where we place it in our taxonomies for definitions, it almost always goes, goes under CRM. But just doing a, a cursory survey, it seems like SaaS is being rolled out uh, for a lot more than, than Salesforce's or CRM folks. Do you think it's got water applications out there? If you're looking at it from the position of another industry, uh, and you're looking at SaaS providers who don't have as much experience in, in the industry, do you think that it translates pretty well? Uh, well, it's being it, there are many, many categories of, of mm -hmm. SaaS right now. And in fact, um, there's a there's a website called uh, the SaaS Showplace, SaaS Showplace, that lists. Mm -hmm. uh, a long list of, of applications, accounting, channel management, uh, productivity, service desk, supply chain, help desk, expense management, document management. There's lots of, of applications of SaaS right now. I think certain in certain areas, it's almost a no-brainer. If, if I was a, a, a small business using email right now, I, I'd have to have my head examined to install Microsoft Exchange and run it myself. <laughs> it's just it's too it's too much work. It's too much trouble. You can outsource Exchange to there. There are 15 or 20 companies that will that will host your Exchange for you and will give you a really robust, uh, you know, backup and uh, and security. So I think there are certain uh, legacy app or very mature applications where SaaS is just a, a very easy decision. I think when you get into some of the newer emerging applications where there may be a lot of customization required, it's, it's a much dicier decision because you do not necessarily, some of these small companies in particular may not have the, uh, the tools to, to customize to the user's need. But there is no question that the industry is moving in this direction. The investment dollars are moving here, and I think a lot of the innovation is going to take place in SaaS applications. Well, it's it's interesting too. You you mentioned the the size of the organization and being able to benefit it from it. It struck me as I was doing my research for this last night and just kind of boning up on, on what's happening around SaaS and reading about SaaScon, uh, that a lot of this can actually be applied by just the individual entrepreneur or or single business owner. If you're just one guy with a, a one one person shop, you can outsource a lot of these things that were huge headaches that made operating your own consultancy a real challenge. Because you spend all your time dealing with with uh, vendors or with tech support. Yeah, and if you're a small company, putting together and maintaining an IT infrastructure for a small company, your accounting, your um, your email, you know, your sales automation, the, the the basic stuff that a small company needs to do, that's a lot of work. And if you're not pretty savvy at how to install and configure software, you know, why bother? That's it's it's time that you should be spending generating business right doing uh, what you do as opposed to everything else <laughs> that you're spending learning how to be an IT person so I mm -hmm. think for small companies this is a um, this is a relatively simple decision now there are Bill McNee of Augatuck technology gave a uh, talk on uh, the first day and he claims that the SaaS market is being driven by large corporations now I haven't seen a lot of evidence of that but he but his research uh, he says finds that that um, there's this shadow economy using SaaS within corporations that a lot of corporations don't even know about because it's the it's the uh, individual department managers that have taken the initiative and gone ahead and, and started using this stuff because they're just fed up of waiting for IT to, to get things done. Sure. So I, I think they're, um, for small businesses this really is kind of a godsend because they don't need a lot of customization. They just need, they just need to get up and running and their time is valuable.
I certainly uh, was interested to learn uh, or just notice that if you look at it a certain way, uh, services like uh, McAfee or, or Symantec are actually software as a service too. You know, so I mean, just just it it you can kind of shift it around a little bit in terms of thinking of any piece of software you have that constantly updates itself, is is sort of in that realm. Right, and and there are. Uh, give me another example. Uh, tax doing doing your taxes. You know, mm -hmm. it used to be every year people would buy a commercial software package at the store, go home and install it, and uh, and enter all their data. Now Intuit offers TurboTax as a service. Well, that makes sense to me. I mean, I don't have to go to the store. I don't have to install. I don't have to fiddle with disk. Worry about conflicts with my other applications on my PC. Mm -hmm. I just you know, I just pay this, pay the fee, and and go and do it. Well, thanks again, Paul. Okay. I, I really appreciate that you took the time this morning and keep checking in your blog, and I, I can't wait to actually get a hard copy of the new influencers once yeah. you actually turn it out. Neither can I. I know it's the deadline is what? The today. first? Today. No kidding. Yeah, oh, I'm supposed well. to turn it in today, so, which I will, about 11.30 p.m. tonight. Okay. Okay, well, Alex, good, take care. Good luck. You too. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. That concludes the first half of our two-part series on Software as a Service. Download the second half to hear more about how SAS is reshaping the basic economics of information technology. If you have more questions about software as a service or web-enabled software, please visit whatis.com or our sister sites, searchcio.com, searchsmb.com, or searchwebservices.com. Thank you for listening.